Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning. How we doing? All right. So those of you that are watching online, we're glad that you're with us as well today. Uh, Before we dive into part two of a series we started last week, uh, I wanted to invite you, if you didn't already know this, we have a thing right after church today called Intro to City Walk. And if you're new to City Walk, maybe you have been here for a while and you just haven't gotten connected yet, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to have lunch. It takes about 45 minutes. Uh, We talk a little bit about Man, what we believe as a church, a little bit about our history, you get a chance to ask questions, find out different ways to get connected. And so that takes place right after the service, actually about 15 minutes after the service uh, over in the fellowship hall. And so again, if you're new or you maybe aren't new, but you're trying to just get better connected and haven't gone to intro to City Walk, make sure you dive into that. We actually provide childcare. So if you just want to have a date with your wife and on us and just have lunch with us and, and uh, leave your kids in childcare, we provide that as well. And so uh, join us for Intro to City Walk. Uh, it's a good time and it doesn't last long. So you'll be out of there in about 45 minutes. This past week, in fact, right after church last week, uh, I got on an airplane and I spent most of my week uh, in, on the East Coast. Uh, I spent most of my week, I had several meetings lined up with churches that had been had partnered with our church. Uh, we're a new church. If you're new to City Walk, we're, we're fairly new. And there have been several churches kind of along the way that have partnered with us to help us plant City Walk. And, and I, while I was on the East Coast, I was just, just a few miles actually from where I grew up. I grew up in Lakeland, Florida. And Lakeland, Florida is right in the middle of Florida, kind of the Tampa Bay area. And I grew up there. I was the oldest of three boys. And so Florida was a really good place for three boys because, man, we could play all year long. It was great. You could be outside unless there's a hurricane. Uh, and even on the light hurricanes, we would play in those. Uh, but but you, could, you could play outside. It was a great place to have three boys in your family. But my dad... And, and he was with us here a couple weeks ago. Uh, because we have three boys in the family, and if you have kids, you understand this, a lot of things got broken in our house. So when we were allowed to come inside, uh, and after being outside was over, we still had a lot of energy and still messed around a lot. And so a lot of things got broke. And my dad was not taught from his dad how to fix things. So anytime something got broke... We called a professional. We paid somebody more than it probably really cost to fix it because we didn't know how to fix it. And so we would just call someone in. So fast forward a few decades until a few years ago, if you would have asked me to bring you a Phillips head screwdriver, I would have had to think about which one was that. 
That's because, because I didn't grow up in a home that was taught any of that stuff. So I, I would do what basically my dad did. If, if there was something that got broke in the house, man, I'd call somebody to fix it. Until about seven years ago, we were actually living in Indiana for just a couple years out of our marriage, and our washing machine broke. And I had never done this before, but I opened up YouTube and I looked at YouTube and I found a guy fixing the exact washing machine that I had. And I, he was fixing what I thought was the same problem that I had. And, and so I followed the example of this guy. It took him like two minutes. It took me like two days. But I was able to, instead of calling somebody in, I was able to follow the example and the pictures and the video and fix the washing machine. And though, man, I'm not in a place right now where I can build a house, I can now fix some stuff. I've put a taillight in, I've put a headlight in, I've done a few things around the house, and it's all because I've been able to go to YouTube and say, all right, 2004 Honda Pilot headlight, and just follow the example of the guy or gal that was fixing it. It's been beautiful. And maybe you're like me, maybe for you, you have saved a boatload of money over the years because you've been able to now go to YouTube and instead of calling the locksmith to get your car open, you just, man, watch the video and somebody showed you how to do it and it saved you a ton of money. And what was maybe a frustrating project or an intimidating project or a project that you weren't sure how to fix and became a lot easier when you actually were able to follow someone's example and walk through it. And, and here's what I found. I found that this type of thing doesn't just happen in, with projects around the house. It doesn't just happen when the ice maker breaks or when the headlights out and we man we have to figure out a way to fix it and so we call a professional or we watch a youtube video and as long as we have an example we're able to do it it doesn't just happen in project land it also happens to us spiritually and here's what i mean specifically in this area of prayer there are people that you deeply care about there are needs that your family has. There are needs that people have around you that you care deeply about. And for a lot of us, because prayer has become complicated and we don't quite know what to say or how to say it, and do I have to say these words, and do I have to change my voice to, 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 to say it just the right way so God hears me? What we do is we call a professional. We find, like, who are the most spiritual people I know? And I have this huge need in my life. And so I need to find all the spiritual people in my life and get them because somehow they have some connection to God that I don't have. And so I got to get them to pray for me. And, and instead of leaning into prayer in our own life and leaning into that rhythm that is available to all of us, for some of us, it's as complicated as fixing the ice maker or, or changing the, the, the belt on the washing machine. It's, it's, it's hard for us. And until we have an example, it's hard for us to do it. And here's the beautiful thing. The scriptures are full of examples of people that have prayed and even their prayers so that for us, whether you're somebody that's kind of new to faith, maybe you're investigating faith, 
Maybe you're somebody that's been, man, you, you grew up in a, a certain type of church where, man, only the really spiritual people, at least the people that called themselves really spiritual, were the only ones that really could pray. And, and when they prayed, they changed their voice and they used these big words that nobody understood and you hope God did. You, you, you just, from, you, from your perspective, this prayer thing, it just hasn't been a rhythm that you've been able to have in your own life. Though you have things that are important to you that you want God's help with. And the beautiful thing is, we can have that. And just like I had to follow an example to change out the taillight or fix the washing machine, God provides us some great examples. And one of the guys in the scriptures that gives us some of those examples is a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul was a guy that for a lot of his early life, he was actually somebody that was against Jesus. He wanted to stop the movement of Jesus. But Jesus captured his heart and he went from being somebody that was an enemy of Jesus to being a passionate follower of him. And he started churches all over the world. And then what he would do is he would write letters to these churches. And in these letters, he would tell these people, hey, I'm praying for you. And he wouldn't just say, hey, I am praying for you. He would say, hey, here's what I'm praying for you. And so he wrote a letter to a church in the city of Ephesus. And if you know anything about uh, kind of the old, what Ephesus was, it's basically where Turkey is now. And, and he wrote a letter to them. And, and Ephesus was one of these cities that in ancient times was a religious, commercial, and kind of it was a political center for that region. It was an important city with about 250,000 people that lived in it. So it was a big city, important city, a city that thrived commercially. It had over 50 religious temples. It was like a center for that region of a lot of things. And Paul, as he is writing a letter to a small group of people that have become followers of Jesus, he writes to them, and, and in a way that maybe only Paul can, and in a way that he does in several of his letters, he says, hey, at the beginning of his letter, he says, man, I, I want you to know that I am praying for you. But not only does he say that, but he says, here, let me tell you what specifically I'm praying for. He gives us an example. And as you sit there, and again, you may be somebody that's investigating faith. You may be somebody that's been following Jesus for a long time. We have this example that Paul wrote in this letter that's very, very helpful as we seek to have a rhythm of prayer in our own life. And, and Paul starts his, his prayer and, and talking about it in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 1. It'll be up on the screen or you can open the app. And you'll find in the app some sermon notes that will be helpful as well. He says this in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. He says this, for this reason, for what reason, Paul? He says, for this reason, and basically what he's saying, hey, because of the work God's done in your life, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith, heard it from other people around the world. There wasn't social media, wasn't email, but word traveled and he had heard about their trust in Jesus and how to change their life. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and I've heard of your love toward all of the saints. Paul says, because of what God has done on the inside of you, 
I've heard about your trust in Jesus. I've heard about how your faith and trust in Jesus has, has been a catalyst to you loving other people really well. I've heard of that. He says, because of that, he says, there's, there's, there's two responses he gives. Because of what he's heard and, and, and how, how he feels about what he's heard, he says this in verse 16. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. One of Paul's responses to these people and, and hearing of their faith and hearing about how they loved people well and what God was doing in them. He says, one of my natural responses is, man, I am so thankful. I, I thank God for you. I thank God for what God's doing inside of you and how you're loving people well. I thank God. But then he goes on and he says, not only am I thankful, but he says this, remembering you in my prayers. So I don't cease. You're always on my mind. I'm always thankful when I hear about what God's doing. But not only am I thankful, man, I, I don't stop praying. I'm remembering you in my prayers. And as Paul was, was praying for these people, Paul, he understood the power of prayer. And so in his letters, he would tell people, man, and he would start his letters many times by talking about prayer. And here's the thing about Paul's prayers. And, and this is something that we can learn from Paul. And it's something you'll notice as you read through his prayers. A lot of times he didn't pray that God would give the people he was praying for something they didn't have. He didn't pray that. He rarely prayed that God would give the people he was praying for something they didn't have. What he would pray is that God would allow them to use what they already have. Things that were already available to them, he prayed that God would use them and that they would really embrace what was already available to them. And you understand this. You know how this feels. You might be a coach. You might be a parent. You might be a teacher. And you've experienced this, where, where your student or your athlete or your child has, has the ability to do something, has the knowledge they need to do something, and, and you can't help them do it. They have to take what they know, they have to take what's available to them, and it's their job and it's their role to step into that. They have everything they need. And that's what Paul, as he prays, as we look, he begins to really pray that God would help the people in Ephesus really understand what they already had, and really take what they already had and apply it to their life. And so here's how he starts the prayer. He says this, verse 17, he says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And so Paul, as he starts kind of transitioning into what he says he's praying for these people, what he's praying is he's praying that the Holy Spirit that is inside them will help them really grasp spiritual truth that they already have. See, the Holy Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is, is inside of you and he does a lot of things. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us. 
So if you're a follower of Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, there's been times in your life where, man, you've started to go down the wrong path. You've started to make a bad decision and you got a check in your spirit. You felt something inside of you. The Holy Spirit is in there and he convicts. Not only does he convict, but he encourages. He encourages people as they're going through challenges in life and, and, and ups and downs and obstacles. In the midst of those obstacles, the Holy Spirit helps and brings peace. But the Holy Spirit also does this, and this is what Paul was praying. The Holy Spirit teaches. He helps us understand and apply spiritual truth. And Paul's prayer was that his readers would be able to grasp the truth that they already knew. And maybe you've experienced that, where you have opened God's word and you've, man, read through God's word. And as you were reading God's word, God just worked in your heart and really helped you understand and apply some of the things you were reading. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so that's what Paul that's how he kind of started his prayer. He wanted them to understand and really grasp. And then what he does is he tells them what some of those truths that he hopes they get a hold of. Some of those truths that are true and available to them that he's praying the Holy Spirit will help them apply and really take hold of. He says this, the first thing he prays is he prays that they will understand and embrace the hope of your calling. Verse 18, it says this. He says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. See, some callings offer no hope. But when you are called and adopted by God into his family, it brings with it tremendous hope. And as Paul, he's praying for these people, he says, man, I'm praying that they will, they will really understand the hope they have because of their relationship with God. And in our world, humans, humanly speaking, when we talk about hope, we talk about something that we hope happens. I hope that while I'm right here, the Buccaneers are beating the crud out of the Steelers. I hope that when I'm done preaching and I check the score, that the Buccaneers are winning. I don't know that's gonna happen, I hope. You, you've probably at some point hoped that she would say yes, or hoped that he would say yes. When you were asking her on a date, you, man, you were a little nervous, you would ask your friends about it, it seemed like it was a good option, it seemed like she'd probably say yes. But until you actually ask her, it was like there was a, a nervousness in your heart. Like, man, I hope she says yes. Maybe you've, you've hoped you got a job. You, man, you're like, I killed the interview. I mean, I had, I looked good. I sounded good. I, I answered the questions articulately. I hope I get the job. And that hope is, man, it brings with it some anxiousness. See, because earthly hope produces anxiety Spiritual hope produces confidence because hope in the scriptures is different than hope that we talk about. Hope in the scriptures refers to things that are certain in the future. It'd be like me saying, I'm going to like do a happy dance right now because I already know the bucks are going to spank the sealers. I have confidence. 
Or be like you, man, being like, I already made reservations at the restaurant. I've already got the, the, the outfit picked out. Yeah, I'm going to ask her if she wants to go, but I already know she's going to say yes. So I'm confident in the future. Well, well, if you're a follower of Jesus, and this is what Paul was praying, that, that these followers of Jesus, that they would be confident because they knew that Jesus was returning. They knew that there was a future hope in heaven. And it wasn't a hope of like, man, I hope that happens. You know what? It's like a flip of a coin, 50-50 chance. No, 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 no. He says, I, I'm praying that you will live your life confident of the future because your hope is sure. It's not a, "Eh, I hope this thing happens, and if I do okay, and if if it's a good day for God, this is all going to work out. No, 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 no. If you're a follower of Jesus, then this hope you have is a future certainty. It's a confidence. And so no matter how good or bad your life is, or how good or bad your day went, what Paul was praying for them is that, they would really live their life and grasp the hope of their calling, the future certainty of what was going to happen because of their relationship with God. Because it was true, and they knew it mentally, they knew it intellectually, but they, like us, were living their life and not really grasping what was true. And so as Paul prayed for them, he prayed that they would understand, that they would grasp deeply, that it would affect every part of their life, the hope, the future certainty, because of their calling as a child of God. But not only did Paul pray for this, he also prayed this next thing in this this next phrase, he prayed that they would understand that they and you and I are God's inheritance. He says, here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that you will understand the hope that you have because of your calling. But I also am praying that you will understand that you are God's inheritance. He says it this way at the end of verse 18. He says, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And basically what he's saying, he's saying, I want you to understand how valuable you are to God. Because this is true. You are God's inheritance. You are valuable to God. Whether you think you're valuable, whether anybody else in your life tells you you're valuable, you are deeply valuable to God. And I want you to live your life. I'm praying that that you really grasp that. When you go, and you, you know this, if I, if I was to come to your house, I would get this. And if you were to come to my house, you would get this. When you walk in someone's home, or you, you sit down with them, it probably doesn't take long before you know what's really important to them. So if I was to come to your house, or you would have come to my house, we wouldn't even have to say a word. But you could look at the pictures on the wall. You, you, could, you could come in my house, and even if I wasn't there it would become very evident to you what was important to me. If you were to open up my social media or you were to open up my picture app on my phone, 
You, you wouldn't even have to talk to me. You would know very quickly, like, who is the most important people to Chris? What's important to him? And I could do the same for you. First time we meet at church, if you're a visitor, we could exchange phones. We could open up the picture app and we would be able to tell each other, oh, I bet that person's really important to you. You must love that person because, man, it's just obvious. If I was to come to your home and, you, and I was to look at your refrigerator, there's probably some, some picture art on your refrigerator. And, and that picture art is probably, in the art world, pretty ugly. But to you, it's really valuable because of who gave you that picture art. And if you were to go to God's house, you'd see your picture on the wall. If you were to open up God's phone, you'd see your picture. If you were to look at God's refrigerator, you'd see your picture art. Because you are deeply valuable to God. And that's what, God, that's what Paul, he wanted these people that were, they were in a city. Man, it was a tough place to be a follower of Jesus. There were days that were good. There were days that were bad, just like we're, you know, in our life. And he wanted them to understand that, man, not just intellectually, but I want you to really grasp that you are deeply valuable to God. That God is not some distant like genie up there or some distant judge up there. He is your father and he loves you more than you can imagine. And, and as Paul is writing and as he's talking to them about how he's praying for them, he wants them to grasp these things that are not new. He's, they haven't, these aren't things they've never heard before, but these are things that they have not really grasped. And so he, he shares that with them. And then he, he says this, there's one more thing that he really wants them to get a hold of that's available to them right in this same passage. He says it in verse 18. He says, he says I want you to really grasp the power that's available. He wanted them to grasp the power that was available to them. Verse 19 says this, it says, and what is the immeasurable, that, that word could be incomparable, I mean, this is immeasurable greatness of his power. This word power is the word dunamis, and it's where we get our word dynamite from. And so as Paul's praying for them, he says, man, I want you to really be able to get a hold of and take advantage of this immeasurable, incomparable greatness of the power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. I want you to get a hold. There's, this, there's so much power that's available to you in your life. He's, he's writing and he says, man, I want you to, guys, you're, you're leaving this power on the sideline. I want you to get a hold. And I'm praying that you would grasp this immeasurable power source. That's available to you. This word power, it's this idea of the ability to overcome resistance. And as, as he's writing, there's a lot of things in these people's life, man, that are resisting them. There's a lot of tough things that are going on. There's temptation that's available to them. And, and he's praying that this power that they have, that they've heard of, that's available to them, that they will get a hold of, that they will put into practice this ability to overcome that's available to them. 
And, and we need this. We, we need this power that's available to us. We, we need it. This power actually helps us use the other things that we've been given. We, we need this power to not be hindered by the enemy because the, there's an enemy out there that wants to destroy. In fact, another part of Scripture says it this way, that, that the enemy is like a roaring lion who is seeking whom he may devour. The enemy is not your friend. The enemy is, doesn't have your best in mind. The enemy wants to destroy and kill and deceive. And Paul's saying, man, I'm praying. I'm praying that you would really be able to grasp this power, this ability to overcome that's available to you. And it's available to you not because you're a great person, not because you deserve it. It's available to you because of Jesus. And Paul, he closes this section by kind of referring back to Jesus and this power that's available to us that has also been at work in Jesus' life. He says this in verse 20. He says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Do you get what this is saying? Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're somebody that's investigating faith. Man, what Paul's saying is this power that he's talking about, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's that same power, and he's saying, hey, you're my kid, just like Jesus is my kid, and you have this power available to you, and this power is the same power that was used to raise Jesus from the dead. Jesus overcame death. You have the power to overcome apathy and sin and temptation and all these other challenges, and Paul's praying that they would get a hold of this. He goes on in verse 21, and he says, Far above all rule, as he's talking about Jesus, and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul, as he's praying that they would get a hold of this power, he reminds them that, man, this is the same power that worked in Jesus, and this is the same power that's at work in the church, and Jesus is the head of the church. Not, not the building the church, but the church, universal, all the people that have followed Jesus, that huge group of people, that movement. And this place, Ephesus, and I already said this, this was not an easy place to live if you're a follower of Jesus. I said this earlier, but there were at least 50 religious temples in the city that these people lived in. And so there was constant crazy theology, all kind of craziness that was around them. It wasn't a popular place to be a follower of Jesus. And so, man, there were days when it was tough. And I want you to imagine what it must have been like after a long day to go to this small, probably house church with the other people that were followers of Jesus and hear from the person that was kind of leading your church that, hey, we got a letter today from Paul. 
And after you've had a long day and after it's been a challenging season, you, they open up this letter from a spiritual hero of yours, someone you love dearly that's had such an impact and has encouraged you greatly in your life. And they open up that letter and you hear about how Paul is grateful for you and how Paul is not just grateful for you, but he is praying very specifically for you. I mean, it doesn't matter where you are as it relates to faith. Like, who doesn't want to have people around them be thankful for them? Like, who doesn't, even if you don't believe in prayer, who doesn't appreciate a gesture when somebody says, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm thankful for you. And so as these people are listening to this letter, they're hearing about Paul, their spiritual hero, who is thankful for them, who is praying very specifically for them. And as we 2,000 years fast forward, instead of us stumbling through our prayers like we stumble through fixing the washing machine or fixing the ice maker, Paul gives us an example to follow as we pray for people that we care deeply for. And, and, and it starts with a question. And so I want you to think, I want you to think just right now, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, I want you to think about like, who are the people in your life that are on your heart? You, you care deeply for them. You pray for them or you ask other people to pray for them. Like, who are those people? And as we follow Paul's example, I want, I want you to start with this question. If you're watching online, I'm, we're going to put it up on the screen. Here's the question. What is true that, and you put their name in there, needs to embrace? So think about the person that you care deeply for. Maybe you've prayed for them, maybe you've wanted to, but you weren't really sure how to. But, but before you dive into this, I want you to think about this question as it relates to that person. What is true that and you put their name, you put their picture in your head, needs to embrace? There's some things that God says about that person. There's some things that God has made available to that person. What is it? that that person needs to embrace that's already available to them. Maybe it's your daughter. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your uncle. Maybe it's your neighbor. Just somebody that, that, is, that you, you care deeply for. What is it that, man, that's true and available? For some of it might be salvation. It's, they don't have a relationship with God, and it's available to them. And so for them, man, you're, you're praying that, man, this truth that Jesus came and died for them so that they could have a relationship with God, that they would embrace that. Maybe it's somebody that's already a follower of Jesus, and there's things that are true about them that the Scriptures say that they might even know intellectually. But they haven't really embraced. It's not a part of their life. So what is true? And Paul, what he does is he gives us three things. He gives us the first one, hope. He says, this is true. This is true. That if, if your person that you put in the blank is a follower of Jesus, 
there is an eternal hope that is sure, not might be sure, not hope everything goes well and you end up on the right side of the scale. No, no, no. If you're a follower of Jesus, it is true that you will spend eternity with God in heaven and, and your prayer for that person, one of the things you can pray is pray that and you put their name in the blank will live with an eternal perspective. It's a great thing to pray for people. It's what Paul was praying. Pray that your son, that your daughter, that your dad, whoever you care deeply about would pray specifically that God would help them to live their life with an eternal perspective because they have tremendous hope. Then Paul talks about this second thing. Again, another great thing to pray for those you care about and those you don't care about. This is a great thing to pray. That they're God's inheritance that they are so valuable and important to God. And so what what if you prayed for your kid that they would understand how valuable they are to God? What if you prayed that? What if that was a part of your normal rhythm that you just cried out to God specifically that your child, that your husband, that you fill in the blank would really understand, not just intellectually, but would deeply understand how valuable they are to God. And then the last thing Paul gives us, he talks about that power that we talked about. What what if you prayed, prayed that, that, and you put their name in the blank, will take advantage of God's power in their life. If you have someone that you love deeply, they are a follower of Jesus. They, whatever they're struggling with, they have power available to them to overcome that. Just like we do. And for some of us, and probably all of us, there's been a time in our life when we've struggled with something. Maybe other people were praying for us. And, and that power that was available to us, we didn't take advantage of it for a while, but eventually we decided, you know what? I don't have to be owned by pornography. I don't have to be owned by anger. I don't have to be owned by greed. I don't have to be owned, and you fill in the blank. I have power available to me to overcome this. And maybe for you, it's you're praying and you're concerned for somebody, and you can begin to pray deeply that God would really help them understand the power that's available to them. See, God invites you and I into his work through prayer. He invites us into it. And and honestly, there's nothing that you and I can do more impactful for people than pray for them. There's nothing you can do that's more powerful, that has a greater impact for the people in your life, then pray for them. And here's the beautiful thing. One of the most beautiful things about your prayers is they will outlive you. Here's what I mean. There's some things I'm praying for today that I may not even see the answer to in my lifetime, but those prayers will continue and they might happen after I'm gone. There's some people in your life that you're praying will return to their relationship with God. You're praying for somebody and you might not see the answer to that in your lifetime, but your prayers will outlive you. And and, and your prayers, they don't die with you. Your prayers and the power behind your prayers and God's timing will continue to be at work because God's not bound by your lifetime. 
And so how beautiful that there's some people, there's some prodigal sons, there's some prodigal daughters, there's some people you love dearly in your life that you don't see hope for and you have prayed for them and it might not be till after you're with Jesus that God answers that prayer. So pray, pray. Because here's, here's what the evil one knows. See, the evil one knows all this. I mean, he, he may understand better than any of us the power of prayer. And, and so what he does is he tries to complicate it. He tries to overschedule, have us overschedule our lives so we downplay it. We don't make time for it. He discourages us and, from making prayer a priority because he knows the power of prayer. And so he's going to do everything he can to stop you and I from praying. From going to God about the deep needs of the people we love. So instead of listening to him, why don't we follow Paul's example and pray? And pray for the people that we love. Pray for the people we don't love that are our enemies. Why don't we pray and believe God and call all the professionals? Get everybody praying, but be involved yourself because you don't have to be a professional. You're a child of God. That's all you need. And the scriptures say that Jesus, because of his death on the cross, he has gone between you and, and, and God, and he has removed anything that's separating you from God. And so you don't need somebody else to go to God's throne. You can go to the throne of God with the cares in your life, and God listens to you because you're valuable to him. You're his kid. Let me tell you, and I, my staff knows this. If I'm ever in a meeting and my son Austin calls me, I'm not in that meeting anymore. It's just the way it is. I'm stopping whatever I'm doing, and it might be, Dad, hey, um, can I borrow 20 bucks? A lot of times it's, actually, I'm borrowing money from him at this point in my life. But, but, but it might be something super, like, and it, most of the time it is. Hey, Dad, what are we doing for dinner tonight? But I'm stopping because it's my kid. It's my son. He's valuable to me. One of the most valuable things in my life. That's what you are to God. You can go to the throne. And the thing is, he doesn't have to stop what he's doing because he's God, so he can do it all at the same time, and it's great. But go to God. Follow Paul's example and watch God use the power of prayer in your life. Let's pray. Lord, I know for me, God, in my own life, over this past few years, you have done a great work in this area. And Lord, this is an area of my life that I'm learning so much in, and I have so much more to learn, and I'll never learn everything. But God, I'm thankful for specific answers to prayer that I've seen, even in this last few weeks. And God, I pray for each of us, whether we're watching online or whether we're here this morning, that if you're someone who's a follower of Jesus, maybe you've never thought this, but have you ever thought that God might be inviting you into something very special 
through your prayers. And you don't have to wonder what to say or how to say it. You can go to the scriptures and you can pray and follow the examples of the scriptures. And there's a lot of prayers in the scriptures that you can use as a model that really helps you know how to best pray. And so if you're here this morning, you're watching online and you're a follower of Jesus, my desire, I pray for you that you will not miss out on this. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here and you'd say, Chris, honestly, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're skeptical of the whole Jesus thing. Maybe, man, maybe you've been hurt by the church in the past and so you kind of keep Jesus at arm's length. Well, that's the same way Paul was. Paul, before he followed Jesus, man, he went the other way. He did life his own way. And there came a point in Paul's life that he decided to follow Jesus, that he turned his back on what he had trusted in before, and he turned to Jesus. And it changed the trajectory of his life, of his eternity. And today, God invites you into that same relationship. So whether you're online or whether you're here this morning, if you're here and there's a desire inside of you to make that decision to follow Jesus, I want to just lead you in prayer. You say, Chris, how would I do that? How do I, follow, how do I make that decision? Well, with every head bowed and every eye closed, are you willing to just... Tell God, God, I admit to you I've disobeyed you. God, I admit to you that I've gone my own way. You willing to tell God that? You willing to believe in your heart that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for you to pay for your sin? And then are you willing to just ask, ask God, God, come into my life. Change me. I want a relationship with you. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you say, Chris, yes, I, I want to do that. Just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching or listening to this, just in the quietness of your heart, just say something like this to God. God, I admit to you, I've disobeyed you. I've sinned. I've gone my own way. Just tell God. And then just tell God, God, I believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for me. He died for my sin. Just tell him. And then just give God an invitation. Say, God, I want a relationship with you. Come into my life and change me now. If you're here this morning and you made that decision, and we would love to celebrate with you. We would love to pray for you. And so if you made that decision, there's a card right in front of you that says decision. And if you wouldn't mind just taking that card and over the next few minutes as we close and in song, would you just fill that card out? Then on your way out, you can just drop it in the offering basket or take it to the next steps table. And, and we just want to rejoice with you. We'll call you maybe once this week just to check in on you and see if you have any questions. 
If you're watching online, there's a, a card you can get as well. Just go to citywalk.cc and that same decision card's available to you. Lord, we're thankful that you're not a distant God. You're not a God that, that is a judge or a genie. You're a dad. You're a perfect dad. And you want to hear from your kids. You desire to have an intimate relationship with us. And I pray that we would take advantage of that. And we would be a people that prays. In Jesus' name, amen.